Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, and I'm joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And Noel, guess what? Are your arms covered in flour? No, they aren't. But uh, that's because my mom has taken the lion's share of the baking this year because my students had their recital le- last night. And mm-hmm. uh, so I, I've been swamped trying to get that ready. But I have made many of the, the cookies this year. I've made several batches. I've made at least, I made like three or four the other day. Um, so I've contributed significantly. Um, mm-hmm. But I have not made my fair share this year there's gonna be 26 kinds and so that's a lot it's a lot of kinds they're all really yummy though they're very they're very good they they pretty much all turned out there's one though i'm kind of tempted to like i haven't mentioned this yet but i feel like we should remake it because of um (gasps) there's like a thing but i not having done half of the cookies i don't know if i'm going to be brave enough to be like so one of these, uh, most people will like it, but neither of us do because we screwed up this one thing. So maybe we should do it again. We'll see if I broach that topic. Um, but it's, I'm very excited because it is well on its way. Uh, I, I'm contemplating whether I should purchase an air popper for the popcorn. Listeners, mm-hmm. I pack all the cookies that I send to Noel and other such people with pop at, with popcorn, and I would do it in the microwave. And you just put popcorn in a brown paper bag, and you fold over the top, and you just hit the popcorn button, and presto, Jojo, yay, popcorn! But after a while, like the kitchen starts to sell, smell metallic, and the microwave gets gets angry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure, it's a lot of popcorn. So, 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 hopefully, that'll be in the mail. That will be in the mail, your cookies, you and your person's cookies, by Monday, Tuesday, I would say. Woo! Which is very exciting. We're so, excited. Yeah, yeah, there should be good times. So and that, that's, all the friends of the shows have cookies to look forward to now, too. Yes. I need to actually, like, confirm with some of them whether they want cookies. It's an important stage <laughs> in the process. That's fair. Yeah. Some <laughs> so, people... Some people I appreciate don't. the gesture, but don't want them. <laughs> don't actually, like, there's only one or two of us here. Uh, that's yeah. a lot of cookies for one yeah, or two well, of us. Yeah, well, to those people I say, wimps, because I always got the full amount. <laughs> <laughs> when I lived by myself for the mm-hmm. three years, I've been getting cookies from you, and I always ate them all. Well, that's not true. I shared them, but I always ate them. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I like my fa- my like my siblings. Their requests are always like, "Oh yeah, no, we definitely want cookies." Uh, also, though, can like can you give us cookies that we can bring in into work? Because then we look awesome and we don't eat all the cookies ourselves. <laughs> so that's sort of what it's turned into, sort of like a spread for the for the office. But um, no, yeah. so I'm very happy to report that the student my students' recital went well yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. I am only significantly behind on work not massively behind on work and also uh the cookies are going well and i've contributed enough to only feel mildly guilty so it's it's been a busy week how about you um it's been okay uh we had some dog woes oh no um, yeah well he went to the vet and so we're sort of grappling with um ramifications of that and that kind of a thing um 
so he's fine ish mm. um and plucky and as good a boy as ever but also like needs a little bit of help being a better boy basically yeah um so we're working we're gonna start working on that soon and so that was kind of my week um yeah. and my my carpal tunnels is really bad i'm in a wrist right now that's yeah that's not good um no, it's not great. Um, so, yeah, so it's been a busy week. Um, but it's also been a busy week for TV, Kate. It has been a very busy week for TV. Like, it always is. But I feel like yeah. with Thanksgiving, a lot of shows took a week or two off, and now they're yeah. all back. My DVR, like, yes. exploded last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. There's a lot of TV on Fridays. <laughs> so uh, I need to catch back up. Um, we are going to have a little bit. We're At, at the end of the show, we're going to talk about a couple Netflix Christmas movies, which were fun. Because mm-hmm. I felt like everybody was talking about these on Twitter, and I've never seen any of them. Um, so I still have not seen, was it Christmas Prince or whatever? <gasps> It's so bad, Kate, but you have to watch it. Ugh, well, we'll see. Maybe that'll be our it, maybe for next it's, week. It's better than it's better than um Princess Switch though. So I well, mean it's got that going for it. Would it take much? No, it would not take a whole It would a whole not lot. take but more on that when we get to we're gonna talk Christmas Chronicles and Chris and Princess Switch. So we'll yeah. That'll be our segment at the end of the show. Uh, before that, though, we want to mention we got an email from Marcus, longtime listener, uh, since double digits. So like, that's that's a really long shit. time. I've only I've only <laughs> been around for like a couple hundred episodes, but like, that's really impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and Marcus wants to th- say thanks for the podcast, the because because it helped introduce. Uh, I'm going to assume him to Rectify and Les Revenants, um, which is awesome. So yay, more Rectify and Revenant uh, watchers out there. Um, he has a question about animation, because he recently started watching some animated shows, which I never really did before. I've watched the first season of Steven Universe. Woo-woo-woo! Uh, which he we says, did it! He says it's great. We can retire. <laughs> yeah. Air, like, high five through Skype. Um, <laughs> and Over the Garden Wall, another Stellar choice, Marcus. Very well done. Uh, before starting with Adventure Time, I've gotten through the first half of the first season, and I'm not enjoying it that much. I've heard it gets better later, but I only have access to the first three seasons until Christmas. So do you have a recommendation for good episodes I could watch, or should I just switch and start watching Gravity Falls instead? So I have I have several thoughts on this. Yeah. I worry that if he stops Adventure Time, he won't come back to it. Yeah, that's fair. Which I think would be a shame because I think that uh, I think that Adventure Time right away it grabbed me right away, but mm-hmm. it definitely deepens and grows um, yeah. in the first couple seasons. Uh, so I like I I'm not a firm believer in like well, you got to watch all of it. Like definitely not. But, but for yeah. this show, <laughs> I feel like it that is more true than most shows. Because yeah. of the universe, because like characters just randomly pop up for an episode and then nothing. So I normally I would just say, oh, dude, switch to Gravity Falls. Gravity Falls yeah. is great. I If he likes these other two shows, I think he'll really like Gravity Falls. It's more linear. It's more narrative, uh, more straightforward. And it's also really good. Um, but I just wouldn't want him to switch to Gravity Falls Super, hopefully, super, super enjoy Gravity Falls and never make it back to Adventure Time, and think that the first half of the first season is indicative of the whole run because, in a way, it is. 
But in, in a, a way, way, it's very much not. It's very much not. So I'm, I'm torn. What, what do you think? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I'm coughing up a lung. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Did you see that blood clot? Yeah, I did. Oh, I my did. listeners. Google blood clot and um, lungs. Lung. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but don't. While you're eating. But, like, it's am- it's amazing. But our bodies are weird. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry. Sorry. That's very, no, no, that's no, not very okay. evergreen there. It's very timely, but please continue. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I agree in that. I think just, I would just kind of skip ahead to season two. Um, season okay. one's fine, but I think that there's just, there's enough. It's, it's still, it's still very much in that kind of random avant-garde, uh, underground comic sort of vein still in season one. And it starts to drift away from that um, as it progresses really hardcore. And I think that there's the deepening that you mentioned comes with them drifting away from that mentality. And they also get like a little less like overtly kid friendly in that kind of a way, too. So like I think just skipping to season two, because season two's got like Mystery Train, which is really good. Um, It's got like it came from the Nightosphere, I think, right at the top. Um, so I think that there's a number of really good episodes in season two that you can just kind of start with. Um, but if you're not grabbed by any point in season two, then yeah, just switch to Gravity Falls. Um, because, like, I admit that I was a latecomer to, uh, Adventure Time. Like, I don't think I started until, like, season four? Um, when I started, like, when I convinced, um, TV.com to cover it for a little bit so that I could, like, catch up on it. Um, so I think I started in, like, season four with the, um, with which, with the alternate universe episodes after the battle with the Lich. Yeah, yes. Sorry, Marcus. Um, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I think if, just jump to season two, if there's nothing in season two that's really grabbing you, then just switch to Gravity Falls. You really can't go wrong Mm -hmm. sticking with that, and if not, just watch Hilda on Netflix, because it's lovely. It is lovely. I have now seen it. It is... Absolutely lovely. I think both Gravity Falls and Adventure Time are way better. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But Hilda is also very good. Um, yeah. yeah, and it, it's all it's the ten ep- thirteen episodes, or whatever ten episodes. They're, I think thirteen, but yeah, they're, they're really good. It's early days. Hopefully, it'll come back yeah. and it will deepen, and you know, we'll get even more. Yeah. But it's, it was a lovely another uh, animation option for you there. So please do let us know what what you know mm-hmm. what comes of your viewing, Marcus. I will be on ten- tender hooks, tender hooks. Um, but thank you for listening and for reaching out. I just assume I know all of our listeners because there's like <laughs> five of you. Um, so so it's nice to hear that there's a sixth and it's Marcus. So thank you for listening for such a long time. Uh, we got a little bit of news that we wanted to, to mention. Uh, so do we care about the Oscars thing? I think we don't care other than just hire Maya Rudolph, right? Yeah, that's what they should do. Um, but no, I don't care. I didn't even know that Kevin Hart had agreed to host and then dropped out. Like, I was just like, I totally missed that press cycle. Yeah. So, we we, we but, also don't really care about the Golden Globes, other than no. Atlanta wasn't nominated, which is crazy. Because usually, like, when they catch a show early and really, uh, like, a really good show and give it its appropriate acclaim in a way that the Emmys usually take a while to, then usually they stick with that show for a while. And they have not done that with Atlanta. Which is no. weird. Uh, but yeah, they did nominate weird. some good people. And the hosts are good. Yeah. So that's something. 
But uh, yeah. yeah, mostly we don't care. Mostly what we care about is that the good place got renewed for season four. Woo! Yay! Fork yeah! Fork yeah! Very excited. Uh, we're going to be talking some good place later uh, in this episode in the Emmy reel that is this week's episode. Uh, but for yeah. now, let's take a break and listen to a little music. It's going to be a short musical clip, but you know we were going to have Daryl's song in here this week. <sighs> Oh, and come back so with our, our week in reality and comedy. We'll be right back after this. All right. Okay. Here we go. Now just follow my advice and it'll be a breeze. Okay. Just keep doing that until the whole room is clean. That was Daryl's song from this week's episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And uh, we're not actually talking about this. We're talking about next week's episode. We can kind of wrap these in. Um, the strong episode and uh, really, really fun. But we got, we'll have more to say about next week's uh, very good episode. Uh, but we had to include Daryl's, you know, song about adulting. Um, this week in reality and comedy, we're going to kick things off with the new to us Great British Bake Off specials, which got put up on Netflix. They're actually from last year. But this is the Great Christmas Bake Off and the Great Festive Bake Off. Um, then we'll talk DuckTales Last Christmas. Sorry. Last Christmas! Ah, I think, I don't, doesn't feel right. Uh, anyways. Um, then we'll talk Superstore, Manager's Conference, and round things out with The Good Place. Janet, you know, parentheses. I appreciate S. you acknowledging the the parenthetical. That's, yeah. That was really nice. Thank I like you. how you did that. It's not, yeah, yeah. it's sort of. Okay, so first <laughs> up is Bake Off, and y'all know I was I was watching Bake Off while I was baking. That was definitely a thing that happened this week, and uh, mostly I was watching Bake Off while I did lots and lots of dishes. So many mm-hmm. dishes. Uh, what did you think of these two specials? I enjoyed them. Um, I enjoyed the Christmas Bake Off a little bit more since um, it had a collection of folks that I was a little more familiar with. I didn't. I don't know who Rob is mm-hmm. um, from the Great Festive Bake um, Off because uh, he was in like series two. I don't think I've seen series two, Kate. You should get on uh, that. The internet has I don't ways. Know. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't like doing things illegally if I can help it. Um, Dailymotion.com. It's totally not been reversed so that it doesn't get pulled out for copyright at all. Kate. I'm just saying. They should put it up on Netflix so that we can watch it all. They should. And they when should. they do, I will. Okay. Fair um, enough. I respect you, sir. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. So, so Christmas over festive. Are there any particular challenges that you connected with? Um, I really like the snow globe cakes. I thought those were really neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and as always, I appreciated Paul coming in being like, oh no, I'm going to hand blow these guys. And it's just like, yes, <laughs> do it. Do you, do you magnificent bastard. <laughs> and then he did. And they looked really good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it <laughs> and was they, a ridiculous and challenge. Paul's also had penguins in it. So I'm immediately like, mm, penguins. And they're so cute. <laughs> I thought they're not did- as cute as his bread lion, but they're cute. Yeah. Well, nothing's going to ever top the bread lion. I mean, come no. on. That is, nope. That's insane. Um, but the, yeah, I thought they did a really good job of choosing their competitors and yes. like and pairing them so that you felt like you got a bunch of fan favorites, but that mm-hmm. there was a good 
blend of strengths and weaknesses. Um, mm-hmm. Like Becca is so precise, and then Selassie yep. is like all about flavors, and yep. Paul like had that breakthrough moment with the bread lion and did well in general but never had another big yeah. moment like that so it was like yeah. and and Val is just wonderful we all love Val yes. like like so like and 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 with the other one as well Sandy Rob and Jamina and and Rav they're like a good blend of competitors and I liked the challenges in general um I didn't really care about the the was it the mince pies yeah, but yeah. um but I really like so that um, <laughs> the, that Christmas tree kind of thing was really mm-hmm. intriguing. Um, yes, I don't know that I would actually like how it tastes, but it looks terrific. And it also, just on a personal note, reminds me of a toy that my grandparents had growing up. That was like a clown with different colored rings that you'd take. A- oh yeah, no, um, I think Sandy references that toy actually. Oh. Like that's. Yeah. Sandy references that ring toy because it's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. Except like rainbow colored as opposed to pistachio green. Pistachio green, yeah. And my f- <clears throat> expletive deleted thumbs because you can't <laughs> buy shelled pistachios by me anymore unless they're already roasted uh. and salted. And you can't use Gross. salted pistachios in baking. So I had to shell be. <sighs> I have strong feelings about this, Noel. I would have made more cookies if I didn't have to spend over an hour shucking pistachios. Sorry, that's a me thing. I was having a moment. Uh, but it was a really nice, it was a really neat and interesting kind of thing. And also, like like um, Paul says, the kind of challenge, I, I never would have heard of that before. And I think yeah. Sandy had made it, but nobody else had even heard of it. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, it was well, a good blend. Yeah. Yeah, and we should, like, host Sandy, host not competitor Sandy. Sandy. Yes, yeah. yes, important <laughs> distinction. Yeah, I also loved the, the contrast between their technical bakes and the example technical base, which was, yes. like, so bright green and had all of the pistachios. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, like, Paul's, Paul's uh, Kransakake, or however mm. you pronounce that, I apologize Kranskaka. for that. Yeah. yeah, um, was, like pristine like i think that was like the most pristine looking technical example i've ever seen on this show yeah and then everyone else was just like how do we make this green yeah and i had questions about that as well (laughs) yeah note paul doesn't actually make his technicals they have people who do that yeah. But i and also do the master classes and the master classes you actually get to see the judge but there are times where i'm like i want to see you do this with this pared yeah. down recipe in this time frame in this overly hot tent, um, yeah. but yeah, so so we're getting off off task here, and we've got too many shows to do that. So uh, I apologize for my monologuing. Uh, it was a, a strong one to holiday punch. I, I you know I, I look forward to checking out some more. I, I also recently discovered some of their com- uh, Red Nose Day specials. Oh, are on neat. on Netflix or on uh, sorry on, on YouTube. Um, so you know I enjoyed the one with Jamila Jamil and. Um, uh, uh, Mitchell, David Mitchell. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> so, yeah, that was a, they're, they're, that's a fun batch of contestants on that one. So, so it was nice to have a, you know, while I was baking to have the bake off back and hopefully they will do more this year and Netflix will put them up in a timely fashion. Yeah. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Knock on wooden things. Uh, speaking of timely, we had our Christmas episode for DuckTales, which is timely in that it's uh, the season, but also sad because that means no more, I assume no more DuckTales till next year. Um, but we had their DuckTales take on A Christmas Carol, and I thought it was fun. Yeah, it is very fun. Um, I appreciate this just on a number of like very geeky levels, Kate. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, like uh, Scrooge parties with, spends Christmas partying with the 
three ghosts of uh, the Christmas Carol. And they've all been slightly reconceptualized from the Mickey's Christmas Carol special from years ago, um, which I really appreciated. Um, and I really liked that aspect of it. Um, I, th- I thought that was really great. Um, but Kate, they brought back Rusty Taylor. And it was so good. And so listeners, um, Rusty Taylor um, is has basically been the voice of Minnie Mouse for decades now. Normally, when Disney finds a voice actor to do one of their iconic characters, they just lock them in for years. They never get to do anything else, basically. They just, they're always voicing that character. Um, Rusty Taylor also handles uh, Daisy uh, Duck as well sometimes. But the reason this is significant for DuckTales is that Rusty Taylor voiced Huey, Dewey, and Louie in the original DuckTales series. And she voices young Donald in the flashback here. And it's just so good. Mm-hmm. And it made me very happy because I recognized it as Huey, Dewey, and Louie from the original series immediately. And I just went, oh, they didn't. And then I looked it up real quick and I went, they did. They did. And so I just, it's one of those things that this show I think does really well is like paying sort of homage in this kind of a way to the predecessor. So I really liked that. Um, I just generally liked this episode. I thought it was sweet, but also a little bit dark um, with the Wendigo um, type thing. Um, just like dark enough for, again, tapping into the fact that Christmas Carol is kind of a dark story. And so I liked how that kind of played into this as well. So I really enjoyed this episode. And I liked Donald's moment at the end where he realized who his little time traveler companion was in his youth immediately Mm -hmm. and i liked that yeah yeah that was super fun and uh it was a nice a nice moment i like when shows do that if if they nail it and i thought they did uh for me jack mcgrae jack mcgrae was a little distracting yes um because it just we all know kenneth the page so well and i Mm -hmm. you know mcgrae is a terrific actor but i think too often he gets cast to do kenneth the page or to do his that thing and it just I don't know if it's his choice or the director's choice or what, but just have him do something like different. Stretch him. Have him do like yeah. he's a talented actor. He can do more. Um, so and that's happened several times for me with yes. McBrayer. So uh, yeah, I hope I hope he gets more opportunities to to stretch a bit. Um, that took me out of some of those scenes, especially like the more dramatic moments. Mm-hmm. I like the sort of like twitchiness of the campfire <laughs> we're gonna be together forever but that, yeah. that worked well um but for me the thing with donald because of course i don't have that familiarity with the voice cast the way that you do yeah but um the like the representation of the young donald and della i thought was terrific like mm-hmm. 90s like <laughs> with the hair that knockoff and, nirvana shirt. yeah yeah <laughs> that was that was great um, but I I was really impressed with the vocal performance that we got for Donald because mm-hmm. it was we needed to be able to actually understand him. Yeah. So it was just the, dialed back just enough that it really mm-hmm. felt like Donald, but also you know was really appropriate for that age and that you know all of that good stuff. So and like I'm just watching this thinking about how emotional and how beautiful a concept this is. What a gift for this character. Because thinking about yeah. from Donald's perspective, that he knows at least one, I'm going to start crying, one of his nephews got to meet their mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That's that's amazing. And because yeah. Donald doesn't know that she's on, alive on the moon and ready to come yeah. back. And, and uh, has oxygen somehow. Somehow. And... They'll explain it later. <laughs> um, but I thought that really gave that wallop that has been missing yeah. from from a lot of the, the more, f- like, flighty uh, rest of this second season. Um, and not just because of the ending. The ending is, of course, get you kicked into gear and ready for the next half of the show of the season next year. But the, the, I, th- I thought they hit that with Dewey the right amount. But I thought, like, just, like, barely hinting at it with Donald, I thought worked really yeah. well, too. So, yeah, it was fun. And it was, like... It's it's not my favorite Christmas Carol ever, but no. it was I think a really good version and much better than many of the other ones I've seen. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah, but it's probably it my favorite episode good. of this of this season so far. I think so too. Um, plus, they also did that really nice um, what you call it Ducktales like Christmas crooner version of the theme mm-hmm. song, which I really appreciated as well. Plus, the end credits were done in the Mickey Christmas Carol style, and oh, it was so good. That was really yeah. It was it was weird to have Frank or fake Frank, but but it was yeah. uh, but it was still fun. It was fun, yeah. And yeah. those credits were great. Um, next up is Superstore Managers Conference, and I watched this one at your recommendation because I was behind in my viewing, and I'm so glad that I did. So thank you for that recommendation. This mm-hmm. was a really fun episode. Yeah, it was. So uh, Jonah and Amy go to the Cloud Nine Managers Conference, which is basically just an excuse for the regional districts and managers to basically boost it up and get a bunch of free stuff, including like iPads and jackets and like an open bar and all this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, Jeff has to sneak them in because the tickets are non-transferable and Jeff is just so thirsty, Kate. He's so thirsty. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> um, but this episode is really good for the manager conference type stuff. So you can see a lot of the have and the have nots thing. And then Amy's inadvertent um, way of ruining labor in cloud nine stores across the country, um, which I'm surprised no one's thought of up there, but still. Um, but then also like Jonah actually legitimately pushing her to like do this by this idea of like, it's not a good time to up- uproot my life, but when is it a good time? And that's a really good point that Jonah makes here. Um, and so I really appreciated that aspect of this episode and it was a lot of fun. And I liked that, but mostly I think that the episode like stands out for Mateo gets found out basically. (laughs) And it's like, it's hard to watch like that scene with, um, um, uh, with Glenn and like in the, in the office. And it's just like, I need a social security number and you need nine, you need nine digits. So I need four more. (laughs) And just all of this type of stuff. So it was really, really good. And then the fact that Glenn sort of makes himself an accomplice, which they set up with Saeed, um, Mateo telling Saeed, um, that it's just really... I'm very nervous about the rest of this story, Kate. I'm very, very nervous about what this means. So, um, But it was really good. And like that last little bit um, with Glenn walking away in the hallway saying Merry Christmas. and And it's such a tense beautiful little moment and then cheyenne just sticks in with you've been documented this whole time man how much attention do you need it it was just the right note to end on to like give us that bitter moment with this really great moment right at the end so i really really like this episode a whole lot um what stood out to you about it 
Well, everything at the conference was delightful, and like I, when there's like, what, but you're just gonna this, you're just gonna give this, you're just gonna give me this. Okay, uh, that was fun, and then them just getting drunk on it does taste like a cloud. I thought all of that worked really <laughs> well, and and just making the managers at least that that they were talking to just terrible just yeah. really bad like i'm sure there are plenty of great managers and they don't hit you over the head with that because in this yeah. episode we watched glenn be one of them but yeah. it's like no there are also lots of people very excited about cheating out you know their 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 employees out of just the basic in health benefits and and watching you know, having this just just a natural progression from the pregnancy and birth episodes was really, mm-hmm. I, th- yeah. I think, a, another again because they don't they don't hit it over the head. They just it's something that would be very much on Amy's mind and it's shaping yeah. her experience, and so it comes up naturally. But they don't really hammer it, um, yeah. and so I thought it worked really well. And I also really liked the stuff with Mateo. I thought it would like. <laughs> there's plenty of Mateo being terrible in this episode. All the yes. Mateo and, and Saeed and Cheyenne stuff. Uh, <laughs> like, can you hear this? <laughs> was terrific. Um, but, you know, I really liked the, the way that they handled the ending. I think it was really appropriate. Worked really well with the characters. And I don't know. Because Glenn, one of the defining things about him is that he's Christian, right? It's one of the big yeah. things about him. And to have a character so strongly identified with the, with his Christian faith on the show live up to Matthew 25, 35 was really awesome to see. Because that's not always... And, and in such a small way and underplaying it and everything, like, mm-hmm. it's really nice. For those who don't know, I don't know very many... Bible quotes. I had to Google this one. Mm-hmm. But that's the, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was naked and you clothed me. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And that's what that's what Christianity is supposed to teach. And that is not what gets modeled by a lot of our supposedly Christian leaders. Um, as someone who grew up Catholic, it gets really, really angering to me when I see that. People wrapping themselves in the Bible and then not living up to just even the most basic tenets of it. Um, so yeah. I thought that was really great and a nice theme for like the, the, for how Christmassy it, you know, like some of the stuff fell with the wrapping and everything. And the fact that neither, um, Adina nor, uh, um, oh my goodness. What's his name? Garrett or Garrett can wrap presents at all. Like, like I, I thought again, Balanced, not too over the, over the head, um, and just all put into a funny episode, and then, like you said, immediately undercut by Cheyenne. So it was a lovely, it was a lovely episode and a, a really fun one. Yeah, I think your point about Glenn's uh, religion and his action here is really, really good. And like you said, it's really subtle, but I think that there's also just like this undercurrent of, especially within at the managers conference, of the crass commercialism of the conference versus the fact that they're doing incredibly they're like ready to do an incredibly capitalistic sort of thing that again pushes against the spirit of the season type of thing um and so i think that came through really really nicely across that and then the garrett and dina inability to wrap things but then wrapping something and go this may be the most beautiful thing we've ever we've ever made together and i'm counting all the times we've had sex (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're we're going out on top. I I do a lot of rapping usually. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I end Get up bags all the way. <laughs> everyone else's presents, including I've been known to be asked to wrap the presents that are for me from <laughs> my siblings. Um, so I could appreciate their struggles. <laughs> that one, it was fun. Uh, also fun was this week's episode of The Good Place. Janet, parentheses. Yeah. Um, and... This is Darcy Carden's Emmy submission episode. This is the yes. reason Darcy Carden has not been around so in some of the other episodes as much, because I'm sure they were filming this at the same time. Um, so for those who are still listening but not watching The Good Place, uh, we're confused. But um, what happens is Darcy Carden, who plays Janet, also plays all the other characters except Michael, uh, of the main cast at least, in this episode. I'm seeing a lot of hyperbolic praise for this. I thought she did a very good job. I thought it was an impressive episode. I think that some of the performances were spot on and some of them were not very good. Well, like much better than somebody else would do, but like... Like I've 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 been seeing some Maslani comparisons, and I'm like, mm, mm, no, no, no. no. Now, granted, that's a different challenge because Maslani Tatiana Maslani was developing each of these characters and performances herself. She didn't have to mimic someone else's performance. That's a Correct. different thing. However, yeah. uh, Janet, uh, like neutral Janet, and Jason Janet were all terrific. I Tahani think Eleanor Janet. Janet was also was really good, but. Uh, uh, I thought Tahani Janet was really good. Uh, mm-hmm. Cheaty Janet was not very good. And no. I like I thought Eleanor as Jason Janet was good. I mm-hmm. also did I didn't really like Eleanor Janet very much. Uh, okay. better than Cheaty Janet for me, but but not great for me. Um, yeah. so th- let's start with that, and then we'll go on to yeah. slathering praise all over the subject because this is a really good episode. Right. So, no, I think that Jason Janet and Eleanor Janet were my two favorites. Um, I think Tahani Janet's perfectly fine, uh, but it's also the one that's given, like, the least amount of time. Um, uh, but then Chidi Janet's just rough. Um, and in part because I think that there's an issue with costuming and that the, that the costuming is really baggy on her in a way that's deeply, deeply distracting. And then it's still baggy on harper jackson as well which is also really weird (laughs) um so that wasn't great and that was really distracting but it was also he carden clearly couldn't find like his rhythms yeah for that and where he she managed to find everyone else's rhythms i thought as particularly um hasito's but also um kristen bell's um i think she found really really easily and those those two came through the clearest for me. Um, but then, yeah, so I, I do see why people are being hyperbolic about it, but then I'm also just like, these eyelines don't match up either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's a, that was also a little distracting, especially when, like, I'm watching... Uh, what was the other thing I watched this week that had some doubling in it that I just went, oh, these are these are much clearer eyelines that are happening. Oh, like in the Princess Switch. The Princess Switch. Those eyelines were actually pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and they were not very solid, um, consistently good in Janet's, mm-hmm. um, is how I'm going to do a little uptick to mm-hmm. get the parenthetical. So that was a little distracting, but I do think that this is a really good Emmy reel for Carden. Um, but... I mean, it's just a really good showcase, and it's a really clever sort of premise for them to explore a bunch of stuff, I think. Um, but, yeah, so I think it's really good in terms of, like, this, what they're doing in the void. 
but it was i'm with you and like we can temper it down just a little just a little just a little um darcy carden's already amazing she didn't need to do this episode for us to appreciate how amazing she is yeah because i think she just didn't quite capture the the omnipresent tension within underneath the the cheaty performance um and that yeah that that kind of hampered that one i also just this is not about her performance but i really didn't like the way the episode ended like i like not the ending that was lovely but i mean like that that tension i didn't like this notion of eleanor losing track of who she is i thought i didn't buy it for a second i didn't think it fit with the character and i don't like the idea of her needing someone else let alone a love interest I know some people ship it, but I really don't care. I don't care about the love interest, the the the, the uh, Chidi and Eleanor thing. So, like this notion that he knows her so well that he can ground her, regardless of just even just as a friend, as a person who knows another person. Like I didn't buy that, and I didn't care about the kiss, and I didn't, you know, like all these different things. Like why is she? Like I watched this yesterday or two days ago as we record. And I already don't remember why she's lost, like, her grip on herself. Yeah. Do you? And it's unclear. Why did she lose her grip on herself? I think that she, I think it's, I think some of it has to do with the fact that for her, she saw this moment of herself and realized that this was the version of herself that she wants to be. Mm -hmm. And she's sort of trying to claim that by in my view, sort of like forcing Chidi into it as well to a certain degree. But I think that she just very much wants to be this version of herself, which is why we see her mom, which is why we have that episode about those memories. And I think that there's an undercurrent of sadness to this that the show just doesn't carry through in this episode. So it's a little hard to remember why she's becoming so untethered. But I think that there's just this lost sense of self that comes through in this episode but the through line to get there i don't think is super clear and i think that it relies too much on us being like um dedicated to keeping that through line alive across these episodes plus with everything else that's happening in this episode like it should have just been the episode if they were going to do this type of thing as opposed to doing the other stuff in the accounting department um which we'll get to in just a second. But I think that that's kind of the issue there is that like, we don't have enough time because they don't have enough episodes to really drive home that. And I think that that's why that that moment suffers, even for me, Um, even as someone who's like, yeah, no, I like this concept of them together, but I'm also very firmly with Chidi's philosophical dodge of this of like, I'm not that person. And so why are you trying to make me that person type of thing? And then the show just going, eh, he's that person. And that's kind of frustrating. So, yeah, indeed. I absolutely agree. And I wonder, cause I think that, um, yeah, I, th- I think that Darcy Carden did a good, a really good job with that scene. I wonder if it would have been more successful if they had had Kristen Bell doing it, because that's who we've been watching this whole time. Um, I, but I don't know, because I do think that, like, it, while I had some issues with Eleanor Janet, not in that scene. I thought that Cardin nailed that scene, um, or what they were asking of her. So, yeah, I we'll see. We'll see what happens next. Um, the accounting, fabulous casting, Stephen Merchant. I can't, 
I don't remember the last time I had to watch something which Ted Danson had to look up at someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought that was fun. No, it, it was just like just the the rhythms of it were terrific. Just mm-hmm. perfect casting. He did such a great job. And I liked uh, the, um, yeah, what we were seeing imagined for the accountants and, and just like, yeah, it, it, that whole thing just came together really well for me. I, I thought it was was mm-hmm. terrific. The they hit the you'll do it, Michael, a little yeah. strong, hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was they like, they Janet, why hard. don't you do it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but other than that, you know, um, I thought that that part of the episode worked really well. And ending in the good place for our last three episodes, I think, is really strong. So I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. where we're going there. Yeah, I am too. Um, yeah, I like the accounting stuff. I thought it was really funny. But then the poor guy who's stuck on weird sex stuff. Um, <laughs> was it Matt? Yeah. Matt yeah. or whatever his name was. Yeah. Uh, made me really sad because um, earlier this week or late last week, I'd watched a documentary called The Cleaners, which is about Facebook content moderators in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And just everything that they have to click through, basically, um, including like weird horrible stuff and Mm -hmm. suicide videos and this kind of stuff and so i just thought about that i just went oh the accountants are just content moderators for human behavior oh no this is less funny (laughs) was kind of where i ended with that uh sequence is like this is funny and then i thought about the connection and went this is less funny yeah this is why that guy wants to be transferred (laughs) yeah indeed can i please just be allowed to kill myself please Please, yeah. listen, thank you. Uh, I'm surprised it's not a weird sex thing. Too clear, <laughs> like second later. Ah, oh, it is a weird sex thing. Um, yeah. So, um, any thoughts on the good place? The actual good um, place. Oh, the actual good place. Not the, um, sh- <laughs> the show we've been discussing for like 15 minutes. I was just like, <laughs> we've been discussing the show for like 10 minutes, Kate. I'm yeah. giving you a bunch of thoughts. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm interested in its old timiness, um, mm-hmm. sort of like a colonial esque vibe. Um, but I'm also like I'm looking forward to seeing why they how they respond to the fact that they haven't gotten anyone new for 527 years, mm-hmm. and why they're not doing anything about that. Yeah, and the only other thing I can think of is like they're just like, well, humans are tr- human. Humans are garbage fires, so we just kind of assumed. <laughs> yeah, I I have some theories. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do, but I'm assume right now I'm operating under the assumption that they are just elitist trash who are easily convinced yeah. that they're so amazing that of course no humans have been able to ascend in the past five hundred well, years. I mean. That that would work because Paradise is really boring and Dante's Divine Comedy, so I can see that working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we will see when they return next year. Uh, for now, what wins your week in reality and comedy? Um, uh, Janet's, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, with a really close follow up to Last Christmas from Ducktales. But yeah, Good Place and then Ducktales. Uh, what about you? I I gotta mention Josh. Trying to put a fitted sheet on a bed. I like that that was the joke as opposed to him trying to fold a fitted sheet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's a good inversion of that joke. But I mean, oh, who he's... hasn't at one point been that person on trying to reach both sides at the same, you know, like who hasn't yeah. been that person at least once in their life? Normally you're like eight, but yeah. still. <laughs> but Josh is 
basically. Yeah, he, he basically <laughs> is. That was Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, for those who don't know. Uh, I Will Help You was a, a very strong episode, but I'm also I'm giving it to The Good Place Janet's, because despite our quibbles, uh, it was a terrific episode. I think they lived up to the hype about what they were going to do with Janet's Void, and uh, yeah. yeah, it was also a really strong episode for Danson, which we barely mentioned. And just like regular Janet, Darcy Carden was terrific as just she was. regular yeah. Janet, let alone everything else. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Strong episode. Uh, now we'll take a break, listen to some more music, and come back with our weekend genre. So you want I should be known as the mother of a loser? Meet my daughter, former lawyer, now a failure, please excuse her. And you want that I should see the look upon the rabbi's face when she learns that Miss Ivy League attorney's a disgrace. Forget it, forget it, you can just forget it, forget it. Forget it, forget it, you can just forget it, forget it. In your search for happiness, you never thought of me. Forget it. You haven't caused me so much pain since by a PC out of me. Forget it. So you want that I should throw away my sterling reputation? Forget it. While you blow about your new bohemian vocation? Forget it, forget it, you can just forget it, forget it. Forget it, forget it, you can just forget it, forget it. You wanna throw your life away? Go ahead, sure. Or what am I gonna tell Emilio at the frame store? This week in genre, Noel's going to talk to us a bit about Night Flyers, which uh, had the first half of the season this uh, yeah, this week. Yeah, but I only watched two episodes of that. <laughs> okay, well, two so that all uh, all that we left behind in torches and pitchforks. Then we'll talk about the Flash uh, big one hundred episode, hundredth episode. What's past is prologue. We'll check in very briefly with Arrow Unmasked before going on to Supergirl Bunker Hill. I'll check in very briefly with Outlander Savages, and we'll round things out with Doctor Who's It Takes You Away. So first up is Night Flyers. We were originally, let you peek behind the, the, the curtain here, listeners, going to spotlight Night Flyers this week. And then the early reviews came in and I was like, I don't think I want to watch five of these. Let's watch Chris's movies instead. So how was that? Was that a good decision, Noel? Or should I check out Night Flyers? So, Kate, I want you to, I want you to imagine the terror the terrific show that we both watched earlier this year. Okay. Yeah. And then I want you to put it in outer space. Okay. And then I want you to be bored to death by it. Oh. That's yeah. really unfortunate. That's, that's what Night Flyers is. And on, in an exploitative way, because this opens up with a woman trying to protect herself from a rando dude who we learn who he is and who she is later, but then she just kills herself with a bone saw to the neck before he can take her. And we watch the bone saw to the neck type of thing and blood splurt across the window of the ship, et cetera, et cetera. And then we go back into the past and that kind of standard bullshit. And to find out who they are and what went wrong. And hint, everything went wrong and it's all very boring. <laughs> um, and that's basically what it is, is like, it's a haunted ship type of thing. So think like Event Horizon, except Event Horizon wasn't good either. Um, but it's better than this. And it's just dull. The mystery of them having a massively powerful telepath to communicate with aliens is deeply unexplained. And there's a climate change element that gets dropped within like the first couple episodes and based on a couple of reviews I read just completely disappears. And so there's just a number of things that are just very not interesting about it. 
And the other thing that's really bad is that people just kind of start dying or getting killed mysteriously or not so mysteriously. But we don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> and we don't care. Like, things, things, bad things immediately start happening as opposed to ratcheting up. And, I mean, again, they've got like 10 episodes. There's time to build tension. And they don't do that. There's no sense of... There's no sense of place. There's no sense of people. The ship is massive. So it's just really weird in that you can't hide somewhere. Oh, no, because there's a robot with lasers now. It's just like, what is happening on this show? So it's not good. Um, So we made the right call. I went ahead and watched the first two because I had a little bit of time and I was curious. But I was just, I was very bored and I just almost just went back and rewatched The Terror. Because <laughs> The Terror is good. <laughs> the Terror is really good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, no, um, think about The Terror, but boring and in our space. And The Polar Bear is a telepath, but also significantly less interesting. Yeah. No, I'm good. Yeah. I'm yeah. good. Okay. Everyone's good. Everyone's good. What about The Flash? What's past his prologue? So you tuned back in because it's the 100th episode. Yes. Were you happy with that choice? Yeah, I was. I, I liked this episode. Um, I like that I've been able to just dip in and out of the show this season and been like, not really feel like I've missed anything. <laughs> Apart from Jesse L. Martin, who's not on the show right now due to um, a back injury. Um, so I miss him, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. um, especially in an episode like this. Um, so when he popped up in like some of the, uh, pre pre filmed material, I just went, Oh, right. Just Martin's on this show. <laughs> <laughs> just um, Martin's terrific on this show. <laughs> yes. Um, so no, I, I liked this episode. I liked them revisiting some of the big bads. Um, I enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, I thought this was fun. Um, I liked a little bit of the reveal at the end. Um, though I have so many questions about that, Kate. I mm-hmm. just have so many. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly just from an actor standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, we can talk about that um, in a minute. Because uh, I do want to talk about that just a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I thought this was fun. I thought this was a good look back um, at the show. And, like, but I just lacked a weird amount like, of emotional sort of resonance as well. Um, and so I was expecting, like, some more reflection from Barry on, like, past mistakes or this kind of thing that we didn't really get, um, in part because there just wasn't time. And also that Wraith just didn't do anything, no. um, <laughs> which was weird. And then I also just have questions about why you would vibe a dagger into space as opposed to another Earth or planet. So that they can have that <laughs> ending so that that, yeah. that is that is why it yeah but it's stupid, stupid. <laughs> cisco's not stupid and yet yeah and yet um he's stupid so yeah. that was a little frustrating um so how did you feel about the episode though since you've been watching this much more consistently than i have um i thought that it was very telling that in this episode directed by tom cavanaugh by the way, Uh it felt much less to me like a celebration of the Flash in general and Barry Allen and our central core than it did the various different Wellses we've had over the show's (laughs) tenure. And I thought Kavanaugh did a terrific job with that. But I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I've been watching this show despite their arcs for five Uh years. And so when their 100th episode require like ties into the the villains which has been the weakest part of the show for a long time then it really 
I, I don't really don't care. <laughs> so it yeah. felt uh, like a foregone conclusion, everything we were seeing. Um, so it was hard to enjoy it. I would have liked much more of like the little moments that, that were new. Uh, I liked the little like shot. Like if, if, if it had just been Nora traveling back, I think it would have been a much more interesting episode. Yeah. Sure. And, 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 and like, and to, to let her experience or see scenes that we haven't seen before. I think that would have been a much better way to do it. Uh, cause then everybody, we, it, it doesn't feel like they have to find excuses to, to have Barry not in a scene or different things like that. They can just let through Nora, let you experience the show's progression in a different mm-hmm. way. And I think that would have been much nicer. Like if they had gotten a Mel back, how great would it have been to see just like scenes we never got to see from yeah. before everything? Like, I think that would have worked much better. And um, instead, we're watching our characters watch stuff, you know, yeah. and that's less that's less interesting. But like, so like, I really like the little scene we got with um, Barry and Iris that I think that was new, right? When mm, Nora was so. watching them in the the hallway, um, I liked. I don't remember, but they may have just reshot it. Yeah, they may have just reshot it. Um, but I thought that was that was neat, and and uh, and because it was her watching her parents before they were even officially like together, I think that was that was in, in letting her see them in a different way was was neat. And I liked the scene we got with Cisco and Evil Wells, even if it was too heavy-handed. I liked the Cisco part of that scene basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like did you have like you couldn't let Cisco name himself? Like there yeah. are little things like that that were irritating me throughout the episode. So there are parts of it that I liked. In general, I've been way up on this season. I think the the stuff with Nora and the decision to bring her in was really smart and has paid tremendous dividends. Um, and I'm very intrigued by the ending and what that could mean. I think that's, again, an interesting way to turn what we've been seeing this episode or this, this season. Um, so I thought it was solid. But for me, it, it's a shame because I think it could have been way better than that. And it it wasn't. Yeah, and I think that there's, I I think you're right. I think that there's just not enough, like, emotional heft, which is what I said. And, um, yeah, so it's fine, but um, I was expecting, like, a little bit more for their 100th episode um, than what we got. It felt kind of like a clip show. Yeah, it did. That's that's actually a really good explanation. That's actually a really good comparison, I think. Um, so, like, before we shift, I do want to talk about the end in which, hey, turns out Nora's working with Eobard um, a little bit. And I want your take on this because um, sort of like what they were doing with Eobard in 2049, it's still played by Tom Cavanaugh. Um, but like a little bit of like the hair, hair coloring has Matt Lester's sort of, um, coloring to it now, um, who has like lighter hair than Kavanaugh does, um, when he's playing, uh, Eobard. And I want your take on this because I think that both Kavanaugh and Lester do really good Eobards, but they do very different Eobards. Yes, they do. And, um... So I'm curious about how you feel about the fact that we're sort of like l- canonically sort of sticking with a Kavanaugh Eobard as opposed to a Le- Lecture Eobard. Um, since I don't know, like I enjoy Kavanaugh's Eobard a lot, but his Eobard's very schemy and like 
mastermind manipulator. Yeah. Whereas Lester's Eobard is much more like aggressive and impulsive and also much better at being at like wits ends with all the idiots around him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially be, and a lot of this has to do with the fact that they used him extensively for legends of tomorrow during yeah. their Legion of doom season. So we have a really kind of stark comparison in which we didn't have that except for like in flashpoint. Um, so I'm curious about how you feel about the fact that they're going with a heavier Kavanaugh year bard here, as opposed to having it be Matt Lester, who they probably couldn't get, mm-hmm. but, or didn't want to pay for. Um, and they used him again, like last year with the earth X, um, stuff and acknowledged the fact that, yeah, I just like this face mm-hmm. and that could be what they're doing here. But how do you feel about that? And like the differences of the performances? I think the words that maybe you were looking for is in the, to describe the differences of them mm-hmm. is that the Matt Lester thon is better. <laughs> Um, yeah, the Kavanaugh-thon yeah. is good, but is yeah. what the show required when he was in being duplicitous. One. Yeah, in season right, one and, yeah. and, like, playing the long con reveal, oh, the good guy's actually a bad guy thing. And so th- it's very different. And the notion, I mean, obviously Lester's from an earlier part of the timeline, so the idea that the character changed and developed and grew because of his experiences after taking over Wells' body, like, yeah, that all makes sense and that tracks and everything. But he's less fun and he's less interesting and he's more similar to other villains we've had the show do or other like, mm-hmm. yeah, like it, it's just too samey for me. So I am much more interested in the Lester version. Now we don't know what Kavanaugh is going to do with the character this time. And he's shown yeah. tremendous range, but I yeah. don't know that he always has in, in the earlier part of the the show's run. I felt like he was constantly elevating what they gave him. Yes. And I don't know that I still th- think that um i think he's doing a terrific job don't get me wrong but i think for me if when they're giving him when they give him material that isn't as good he doesn't he's not transforming it as much uh mm-hmm. or or like saving it in a way that i feel, feel like he used to be and maybe it's just the stuff they were giving him before had more potential um yeah but i you know we'll see if but if if we're gonna do like just cap like like mastermind villain two steps ahead the thinker again which the thinker yeah. was just thawn again like it's really tiresome so i i hope that there's something else coming or that it that's not going to be you know that it'll just if it, this seems like this is more than what it actually will be i hope it's that i hope mm-hmm. that this is feels like ah oh, the real villain is thawn and really it's just going to be like a couple episodes and then we're going to be yeah. right on back to cicada um so fingers crossed that that's the, the approach, but uh, I just am not. We've they've done so many different manipulators now, and people yes. who are friends pretending to, who are not actually actually enemies pretending to be friends, um, and that's just not. It hasn't worked well for them since the first season, and to make yep. Nora one of those as well uh, is a bad idea. So hopefully, yep. she will be telling her parents what's going on in the next episode. She almost did in this episode. Yeah, but she probably won't because I feel like this is a longer game that Eobard's using her to get Barry back from wherever he is in the future yeah. because he needs Barry for some reason. That's very possible. Yeah. yeah. We will see. Uh, yeah. uh, speaking of your comics knowledge, on Arrow, they uh, on the episode is unmasked. They have um, 
uh, Ollie's now out of jail and he's working as he's like basically deputized to work with the police department. So he's going around as the green arrow, but without a hood, um, mm-hmm. not as a vigilante, but as an official like consultant Member or whatever. Member of the SCP team. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. And then they, they show who the new green arrow is and it's Amiko, um, okay. which they don't actually say on the show, but apparently that's the name of the character in the comics. Um, mm-hmm. You have opinions on this. Yeah. Who is this? Right, so Amigo Queen got uh, appeared in 2013 during, I think, the Jeff Lemire uh, run. Jeff Lemire is a really good comic book writer, and his run on Green Arrow in the New 52 Rebirth type nonsense, um, New 52, was like the best run on Green Arrow in that time. And um, he introduced Amico Queen, who is um, the who is Oliver's half. Who's Oliver's daughter, I think, in the comics. I'm pretty sure, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and here, she's Oliver's half-sister. Oh, um, no, yeah. No, in the comics, she is the daughter of... Robert. His... She's the... Yeah. Shadow and... Shadow and Robert's daughter. And That's Robert... what it is, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, which... Robert it... Queen's daughter. And how they use Shadow in this show, I don't think that could possibly no, work. No, that's not going to work. <laughs> so. Um, so, yeah, no. So, but I am curious, um, and you can tell me how this goes, and how they have uh, Robert's connection to whatever is going on in this particular type of thing. Um, pay off. Because I'm curious about that. Because really, we should have guessed who that it was Amico. Because even I saw that thing with the notebook and just went... Oh, just like Robert's notebook. And I didn't make that connection that it was a yeah. Nico. Um yeah. though I should have. Um so I think that there's I think there's interesting kind of potential, especially since um with this being his half sister, this kind of gives us like some new dynamics to play with family type stuff and whatever's going on in Oliver's personal life right now, because I don't know. And um, also with Thea not being around. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like little things that they can do here. Um, but I like the Amico character in the comics. Um, she was very much in a Damian Wayne, for those of you who read like Batman comics. Um, she was very much in a Damian Wayne sort of uh, mold, but not as obnoxious. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in that League of Assassins sort of way. But... And maybe she will be, but yeah. So I'm curious to see how this shakes out. In the comics, she was trained by like um, a killer or a mercenary named Komodo, and so we'll see how this goes. But I'm 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 curious to see how this plays out. Not curious enough to start watching, but curious enough for you to tell me. <laughs> okay, okay. I will keep you updated as we find out more. Um, so right now we know nothing, uh, but yeah, the idea. Like I always find it tiresome when shows and, and comics too feel the need to undo and then you know the fly i mentioned this in flash too undo characters choices or remove characters agency from them uh, as part of a retcon so in flash they have evil wells give like lay the seed for the name vibe so they remove cisco's naming of himself and render him in this small way a puppet of one of their nemeses and I, that really really bothers me and so it, it looks like they're it wasn't uh it wasn't Ollie's choice to uh, take on the air and all these different thing like things. No, it was his destiny because his father has some connection to something else such that another of his children would end up, you know, a master archer as well. Like it's just, And I bet it somehow all gets revealed in the future. Yep, it's going to get re- revealed in the future in the stupid future flash forwards that God, nobody 
Nobody cares. <gasps> Nobody cares. I, I, I'm sure there are people who do care, but I really don't care. I don't care enough for all the people who do care about the flash forwards and the flashbacks and all the flash everything's other than the stuff with Slade and Shadow on the on the island, which worked really, really well. <sighs> I find it tiresome, but I think it's a solid, you know, solid episode. It's been, you know, the fact that they kept Ollie in jail for seven episodes, I think yeah. it was a really smart choice and has done yeah. a lot of good for the show. Yeah, um, I'm surprised they kept him that long. Um, I mean, he needed to be out by the time of the, of the crossover. Which is why he's out. <laughs> Which is why he's out. Yeah. Um, but that kind of restraint, I think, is a testament to, like, the new showrunners, but also to, like, Amel's ever-growing influence behind the scenes on that show mm-hmm. um he was like he gave an interview where he was just like yeah i don't really feel like oliver would be wearing these clothes right after prison so can we change this mm-hmm. um he just needs to go on and pull a tom welling and just become an executive producer in the show if the show's going to keep going yeah um because it might help the show a little bit because he clearly has different ideas oh than some of the people who actually run this show do yeah <laughs> And he, I mean, I think he's, he, I, I don't know, but it seems like he has a really yeah. good handle on the character, so. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, um, next up is Supergirl, Bunker Hill. So mid, it felt very much like a mid-season finale. And uh, we have a triumphant Supergirl uh, with our villain really taking the day. And uh, because people are underestimating his ability, his real superpower, which is not any of the other stuff, but is his mouth and his brain. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of this episode? I really liked this episode a lot. Um, I mean, from the whole, I'm not struggling, I'm flying sort of corniness of her. Lift- it was so it's, corny, but it was Benoist so corny. sold it. She sold it so hard. Um, it was really good. But no, your point about like Agent Liberty's ability to sow discontent as a mouthpiece, as a guy who asks questions, even really annoying questions that people should have been asking years ago, <laughs> um, I think is really good and really compelling. So like that scene at the end with the DEO, I think is just really good. Um, I would have preferred it with Brent Spiner, but whatever. <laughs> um, so I, I just generally like this episode. I like the fact that there's someone else who's sort of like he's in contact with as well. So we have another bad sort of lurking in the shadows a little bit, um, which I like, um, even if it feels a little cheap um, since Mercy and Otis were ceremoniously removed from the playing field. Um, but I just generally like this episode. And the other thing that I do want to say about across all of these, um, the main Arrowverse shows, with the exception of Legends of Tomorrow, because they're not in the crossover, um, I've liked this decision to put the crossover as episode nine, as opposed to episode eight, which is what they've done for the past couple of years, um, and do their basically like cliffhanger sort of thing before they do their big semi out of continuity crossover event sort of thing, so that we don't. That that doesn't feel like a weird sort of stopgap to the finale. I like that approach and that structure. So I like this version of doing this much more than what they've been doing in the past. So I like that. And I like that all of these episodes have that Earth 90 tease as well um, to them. I thought it was really good. So yeah, no, I just generally liked this episode. And I like the tension that Bunker Hill sort of creates for the show going into the uh, going coming when it comes back for episode uh, 10 when it gets back to this story in episode 10 next year. How did yeah. you feel about it? Um, I agree with everything that you were saying. I, I was a little irritated that they all had the exact same 
sting stinger post credit yeah but thing. not enough people like watch all of these shows <laughs> yeah i mean but you could have like a slightly different one yeah well like, there was apparently discussion about not using these across all of them and just using it on like flash i think uh-huh and so they they made like sort of a last minute decision to, 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 to include do it all to do it on all of them yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. Um, I know that I definitely have students who watch some, but not all of these. So, yeah. you know, that makes sense, I guess. But I was like, yeah. for those of us who do watch all of them, come on. Maybe like a couple, you know, I don't know how they would, you know, if you're establishing a continuity, you can't change it really. But yeah. Anyways, um, I also really, really dug everything with Brainy and Nia. I thought oh, it was so God, fun. It was so good. Yeah. It was very, very good. Yeah. That, like, like I, I, I can't say. Obviously, I figured it out at Thanksgiving. You guys are all idiots, but um, <laughs> maybe you should ask her about things. I, I do gotta say, I'm not a big fan of making everyone who's pro super like aliens be an alien, be a secret yeah. alien. That's a little yeah. tiresome. Well, at least at least Alex isn't a secret alien, or yeah. is she? Or is she? Yeah, she's not. I hope <laughs> she's not. Um, but you know that's a bit of an issue, especially with whatever's coming with Lena and her superhumans and everything. Um, but other, but I mean, like it was just so delightful. But I really think they've done a terrific job with with Nianal and that character and the the perform. It's her first main performance, like yeah. role in anything. Like she's doing a terrific job. Uh, she is mains right. Uh, Natalie yeah. or Nicole mains something like that. Oh, Natalie Maines, that's from Dixie Chicks. <laughs> but, my bad. Uh, but, but yeah, she's doing a terrific job in the role. And, uh, um, yeah, the stuff with Brainy, they, they're using him really well. So Yeah, this, this is a, the best I've ever seen that actor used, and I love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, just like, like ah, look, it is a uh, thing. We're looking at Lanyards. Yes. Lanyards, yes. <laughs> terrific, terrific. Uh, so yeah, there was a lot to, to enjoy in this episode, and I'm really looking forward to what the second half of the season is going to bring. So I think they're doing a good job. Also doing a good job uh, over in uh, is Outlander, and that's the episode of Savages. And there are, it was there's some pretty on-the-nose stupid stuff in this episode, but they absolutely crushed the return of Duncan LaCroix, who plays um, um, Murtaugh. And uh, you better believe I was enjoying Silver Pample Moose. For those of you who don't listen to Friend of the Show, Alison Shoemaker's Outlander podcast, Podlander Drunkcast and Outlander podcast, um, you don't know that the act Murtaugh is an awesome character and has been gone for the sh- from the show for a season and a half, uh, from Outlander season and a half. Um, on Podlander Drunkcast, they call him Pample Moose because his name is LaCroix, and obviously the best flavor of LaCroix is grapefruit or pamplemousse. So that is why he is pamplemousse. It is a whole thing. So he shows up. It's 20 years later. He's got a really awesome wig, like silver gray wig going. And they the decision to reintroduce that character, basically doing the same thing as they did in the print shop with the big reunion of Jamie and Claire. Um, and to, to, you know, make some nods to that in the directorial choices and the performance choices, but not really hit you over the head with it, I thought was terrific and really nice. And it... it, it the music, the scoring was also really good, uh, very attuned to the scene without being overly like maudlin or anything like that. So some of my favorite scoring of the season. Uh, so so I had to mention it for that. Very glad Martel's back on Outlander and that they handled his reentry to the show and the storyline so well. But let's move on swiftly to Doctor Who. It takes you away. And 
I, if I've mentioned Alison Shoemaker, she also has a uh, Doctor Who podcast called uh, D- Debating Doctor Who that she has with uh, Alistair Wilkins. And I was, um, I was like, yeah, this is good on this episode until I watched, listened to their podcast episode talking about it. And I was like, oh, Alison's really smart. Um, talking about all these things that I hadn't thought of that I think are actually really great. I still feel like this is a very good but not great episode because all the wonderful things you can break into with the the symbolism and the meaning of the, this discussion of grief don't change the fact that parts of it aren't satisfying and should be better done. But I did get a greater respect for the writing and some of the other, the, the choices that I didn't understand, like why a frog? And then I listened to Allison talk on her podcast about Aristophanes, the frogs and these other things. I'm like, Oh, that's why that's a good, th- those are good reasons. Those are good reasons. Okay. It still is weird, but those are good reasons. Uh, so so I ended up really enjoying this episode. Uh, not as much as the historicals, but very excited for what the next uh, finale, the next episode is going to bring. What what did you think about it? It takes you away. And did you, did you catch on to all these, like, trip into the underworld and, like, Nordic trolls under the bridge to the afterlife imagery that I just... Was like, why are they doing this weird tunnel? Oh, because he's a troll, and they're, yeah, I'm stupid. <laughs> I caught on some of it, um, like the afterlife and like shifting through type of thing. It was just like, oh, we're, to me, I'm just like, oh, we're doing purgatory. Okay, I got mm-hmm. you. I'm with yeah. you. I, yeah. I got you. I got your show. Um, and so, I think what it boils down to is that I really liked the version of this episode that we got at the beginning where mm-hmm. it's like there's a scary f-ing thing in the woods that we don't know about and i was just like this is very exciting i like this i like this idea of them under siege in a house with something that they can't see let's do that um and then there's like oh no 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 meditation on grief meditation on grief and i was just like well we can still do that in a horror setting that's what horror movies can do really well as much as it scared the shit out of me hereditary a movie that came out this year is nothing i will ever rewatch again because it was very scary for me is a really good meditation on grief um but i really struggled with the end of the episode because a lot of it felt really repetitive um, especially in the writing and the whole, no, we really need you to understand that this universe is collapsing. <laughs> and it's just like, why, why are we, I understand why we're struggling with this in terms of like getting these people to go through that mirror. But I was also just like, but they're blowing people through the mirror. And I also didn't need like a repetition of the people landing against a rock every time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so basically what it ended up feeling like is that there was a really good episode here that I think just needed like another edit mm-hmm. and needed just like a little polishing. Um, as much as I appreciated like having, um, uh, what's her name? Come back. Sharon um, Clark. Yeah. Yeah. So- uh, come, come back. And, um, the sort of ramifications of that and the payoff of that of Ryan calling Graham granddad um i thought it was really beautiful but i also just felt like it took us a little too long to get everyone through that mirror mm-hmm. and that was that was it was driving home what they wanted to drive home too much for me whereas 
there was something really elegant that they were doing that then got really botched in the whole, we have to get through this mirror. We're on a deadline now. The mm-hmm. the Doctor Who-iness of it all got in the way of the really good stuff that they were ultimately trying to do. Um, and then I did like the bit with the frog. I liked that they used a puppet a mm-hmm. lot because I always like puppets. Um, yeah. Puppets are always a better choice. Um, and so I liked that. I liked the conversation about loneliness with that as well. I thought it was really beautiful. And, but it just, by the time we got to that point, I was already like ready for them to go back to the TARDIS type of thing. Um, so it was something I wanted to like a lot more than I did, but I am eager for the finale. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's an episode I'm like conflicted about and that I really wanted to like it more than I did. Hmm. But I also appreciated what it was doing and what it wanted to do a lot as well. I thought that it was placed so well in this season. They've really done a terrific job, especially with Graham, with Ryan as well, but but with Graham too yeah. on his journey. And so that, and like we were, you know, we'd said at the beginning, like, Sharon Clark, I feel like she'll be back at some point. Like, and then, but to bring her back in this way at this yeah. time was so, so well done, so well timed. Um, and, I, I thought that having having Graham be the first of the two to reject made sense, but I still thought it took too long. As soon mm-hmm. as she said, "Oh, he'll be fine," about Ryan, yeah, yeah, no, then, that, t- that should have been the end of that conversation. <laughs> or, or just like you should, I feel like you should have seen Graham then understand, and then it's just a matter like he knows it's just a matter of like savoring these last few minutes of pretend, but he already knows he's leaving. I think they so like like just a little tweak on that. I think would have been better. Um, I I like that the other guy is just too Eric is just too messed up to make that choice, and the doctor has to make it for him. I think thought that was terrific. Um, This uh, you know making so much of the episode, and this is something I had not thought out thought about at all until Alistair and Alison were talking about this, but. so much of the episode is centering on Ryan and his father's abandonment of him mm-hmm. um, for basically the same reason Eric abandons uh, his his daughter. Um, uh, Hannah, right, uh, was mm-hmm. terrific and, and subtly enough played that I was, like, connecting with it somewhat, but not as powerfully as I think it will connect with me when I rewatch. Uh, like, it's, it's something that has expanded in my appreciations after watching it and, and after thinking about it more. Um, still not enough stuff for your ass. <laughs> but, um, but no, the stuff that we got, I thought each segment worked, of the episode worked well. The the stuff in the middle was kind of weird, but I think that's also kind of the point. And um, never trust a guy whose name is something of, was it Ribbons of the Seven Stomachs or something? Yeah, something like that. And it's just like, no, don't need to don't need to have that guy tell me no, anything. That's okay. I'm good. I'm good. I also really like the frog. And I've seen some people uh talking about online, oh, they should have brought back the doctor's wife, they should have brought back Susan, they should have brought back Rose or something, you know, that kind of a thing. And I'm like, no, because the whole point was that the solid tract was trying to use a form that would keep them there. And yeah. if the solid tract had the gall to take any of those forms, the doctor would have been fucking pissed. Yeah. Um, and so that would not have been, that would not have worked. So I thought yeah. that, that doing the frog instead with, you know, with that voice was, was nice and, and a, a, just a delightfully weird way to end. It's been a good week for white voids. 
that's the takeaway from this week's episode, everyone. That's what wins our week in TV is white voids. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on Doctor Who? And if not, what wins your week in genre? Um, let's see. Night Flyers, probably? No. Um, <laughs> Legends Tomorrow, Hell, Hell No, Dolly was a pretty solid episode. Um, yeah. Even though it was mostly set up for their bonkers um look bonkers looking finale which i'm very excited about in which john constantine breaks time and has to fix it all by himself um mm-hmm. which should be fun for him as he has no patience for any of this nonsense Zari's a cat now <laughs> yeah Zari's a cat now which i'm just so excited <laughs> and people are going to be puppets yeah <sighs> there are more puppets it's gonna um, be good yeah yeah it's gonna be good um so yeah no i'll give it to um yeah yeah legends of hell hell no dolly i think wins yeah super fun i'm gonna give it to dr who okay. uh it takes you away but uh but yeah there's some other you know black lightning was another strong episode from them too mm-hmm. so um good good week in tv so much to talk about yeah. now we'll take a break and come back uh after a little trailer or two with our discussion of christmas chronicles and the princess switch and maybe a little more general discussion of netflix christmas movies and the Hall of uh, Hallmark Hall of Fame tradition. So we'll be right back after this. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. Stop. Kids aren't stupid. They know how it works. Sorry, Santa. I'm Cupid. I'm Thomas. Give me the camera. It's Santa Claus. Live and in person. One night only. You don't look like Santa Claus. Well, billboards add 80 pounds. Christmas is in trouble. Imagine if we all work together. I have seen a lot of strange things, but this... Wait till you see what happens next. meet Mrs. Claus. Maybe just skip this part. Hey, hey! You all want to go on the naughty list? Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get back to work. Christmas and come back soon. Hey, boss. You know the Christmas baking contest you're always talking about? Uh huh. The royal family of Belgravia invites you to compete in our Christmas baking competition. Can you believe it? It's the Nutcracker. Christmas is a magical time of year. I just wish I had someone to spend it with. Christmas wishes have been known to come true. So sorry. No problem. Who are you? Lady Margaret Delacourt, Duchess Montanaro, Stacey DeNovo. I think we were destined to run into each other. I'm supposed to marry Prince Edward on New Year's Day, but I hate being in the spotlight. I want to get to know what it's like to be a normal girl. I want to switch places with you. Switch places? I've become you, and you become me. 
get out. It'll only be for two days. No one would even notice. Stacy DeNovo, how's it hanging? How's it hanging? A bit much, is it? <laughs> I suppose it's time, if you say so. Oh, there you are. Here I am. I'm determined to spend as much time together as we can over the next few days. How smashing. Ooh, 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 ooh. Breakfast is ready. You never burn anything. Uh, I guess I'm a bit nervous with the big contest coming up. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Oh, are you all right? Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And Noel, it's time to talk a little Christmas TV magic or movie magic. Um, and to start out, before we get to Christmas Chronicles and Princess Switch, um, do you have a tradition of watching these like Christmas made for TV movies or, like that that both of these Netflix movies are very much drawing from? Is that like a thing that you or your, your family ever watched? Or is it, have you mostly specu- spectated as other people did? <laughs> I've spectated as other people did. Um, like my mom enjoys watching them and will would have them on sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never really, I've never really seriously sat down and watched many of them. Um, I've watched a couple of the Tom Cavanaugh ones because he's done quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think I've seen a couple of more just like smattering, but don't ask me to identify any of them because I don't think I could. Um, but I also did watch last year's um, Netflix installments of the uh, Christmas Prince or Prince for Christmas or whatever it is. Christmas Prince, And Christmas Prince and Christmas Inheritance as well, which were their two big ones from last year. Um, And I think Christmas Prince is getting a sequel. Yes. No, it is. Drops later this month, I think. Um, And so I watched both of those. And then I was planning on watching Christmas Chronicles just because I wanted to I wanted to see Hot Santa. (laughs) And then um, Princess Switch was something I was probably not going to watch um, as much as I like Vanessa Hudgens. Um, but we were going to talk about it, so I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? Does your family do this? Uh, do these uh, types of movies at all, or not so much? No, not at all. Yeah, like I several years ago, uh, I I did Twenty Five Days of Christmas, where I watched a different Christmas movie every day for you know twenty five yeah, days sure, sure. and wrote them up. Uh, then I also did have done like one where I traded off, where I did so I did about thirteen. Um, and but they all they had to be things I hadn't seen before, so. Right. I've seen like 
all the Christmas movies. Like, I've seen Black okay. Christmas. You know how I feel about horror, and I watched Black Christmas because I was running out of Christmas movies. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'm familiar with the cinematic form. Um, okay. But I never really made time for, like, I didn't grow up with cable, so, you know, never didn't make yeah. time for, for, the, for those. Uh, so it was interesting to kind of watch these. I, th- I felt like it was kind of weird thinking of, like, this is sort of a made-for-TV Hallmark kind of movie thing, but with Kurt Russell? <laughs> Well, that's the thing is I think like Christmas Chronicles is very separate from the tradition that the princess switch is operating in. Yeah. Um, Even Vanessa Hudgens though, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of that just has to do with the fact that the Christmas Chronicles is much more of like a family Christmas movie and is much more that tradition. And when we talk about it, I'm going to compare it extensively to the Santa Claus Mm -hmm. because it rips off the Santa Claus a lot. lot. Um, And improves upon the Santa Claus a lot also, I feel like. Okay. Um, But um, in a couple of very, like, key ways for me, not the least of which is Tim Allen is not involved. Um, But The Princess Switch, I think, feels much more within this Hallmark holiday, um, lifetime holiday movie sort of... um, it's a Christmas to me, uh, if you've been listening to my brother, my brother, and me. Um, sort of vain of not necessarily needing to learn the meaning of Christmas, but magical things happen at Christmas, Kate. And romance is in the air, even more so than Valentine's Day, because you go to this fictional country that's shot in Romania on a soundstage, and <laughs> you just find out all sorts of fun things about your life. Um and also, apparently, you just don't use a mixer for three hours in a baking competition. Which I have a insane. number of questions about that's that. That's not how that yeah, works. That's not how any of that works, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So I think that there's just, they're operating in two different tracks. But I think the Princess Switch, of the of the two other movies that operate in this particular vein, um, is the least successful. It's certainly not nearly as good as Christmas Inheritance, which I think is probably the strongest one that they've done. And I don't think it's as good as um, a, The Christmas Prince, which they watch in Princess Switch, which is just weird. <laughs> <laughs> so note, I'll have to check out those two. Um, yeah. Let's have it with Christmas Chronicles, because uh, okay. you like this more than I did. Uh, okay. I felt like this was Kurt Russell giving a terrific performance Yeah, in a not very good movie. And okay. I, some of the dialogue really, I, it's, it's not... It's just bad. It's just not good. Um, and there's like a really annoying amount of fat shaming and yes, other stuff going. Is. It's like also Kurt, like the hot Santa. He's not hot Santa. He's Kurt Russell. He's wearing huge, giant, baggy clothes. He might have a like when they're like, "See, I'm not fat like that." I'm like, "You look exactly like that. You're wearing a giant like cloak and puffy kind of like I can't tell that you're ripped." So it seems very weird. Um, and your only reason you're hot Santa is that you're Kurt Russell and every, you know, like you've been conventionally con- assumed to be hot your entire life. So like we all know Kurt Russell's hot. That's why you're hot Santa. <laughs> Not because of anything else. It was so weird to have all of that stuff in there. And it was just, a, it was a very Kurt Russell kind of Santa though. Cause that energy, yeah. right. That's it's, it, I might as well have been watching Buckaroo Banzai, right. It's the same character. <laughs> It is the same character, but I do think that when you dress him up as Santa Claus, it makes a big difference Mm. in terms of, like, this conception of Santa Claus is, like, kind of 
still very much in the spirit of Santa Claus, but with like a flinty edge to them. Mm-hmm. Um, like a little bit of tiredness of his job, just a little bit, not mm-hmm. a lot, but just a, I'm kind of tired of being compared to that commercialized version of Santa Claus type of thing. Um, I think is kind of amusing. And I think Russell's sort of exasperation with everything that's going on around him, the fact that no one will believe him despite his ability to call up facts about everyone, um, except for... Poor, lovely Wendy's played by Bella Lovell. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was so just, excited when she showed up. I was too. I was just like, yes. Um, so, but yeah, so I, I enjoyed like that. I think Russell basically carries this movie on his shoulders. Yeah. Well, Darby and, Camp is also very good. Who we yeah, loved in Big Little yeah. Lies. Yeah. No. Um, which I didn't watch. So. Oh well, which I loved in Big Little Lies. <laughs> who I yeah. loved. Um. Yeah, so I think that it was really good there. Um, and I th- yeah, I do think Darby Camp's really good. I think the kid who plays Teddy is awful. Yeah, he's not um, good. He's not good. He's not great. Um, but I think that there's just a, there's a really good enjoyability to this movie for me that this is a good, solid, like, Christmas family sort of tradition movie. It's not something you would necessarily watch every year unless your kids just made you watch it every year. Mm. Yeah. But I do think that they provide enough riffs on the Santa Claus in terms of, hey, we found Santa Claus. We didn't kill him this time, (laughs) but we did, like, interrupt his ability to do his job. And then the whole breakout with the elves, and the elves are easily the weakest part of this movie for me, even more so than Teddy, because they're just weird. They might as well have been minions. Yeah, they might as well have been minions. Um, I think, oh, that's such a good, that's such a good dig. That's what they are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that there's enough, uh, solid humor here. I think that there's enough, um, appeal to adults here in terms of mainly just through Russell's performance, um, that keeps it going. And then I just like the fact that they just decided, you know what, we're going to let Kurt Russell do a musical number. And it's just like, I'm here for that. Does it make sense? No, it makes zero sense. I'm okay with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think he does a good job. I was sitting, I was, I mean, you, you know me, I'm over analyzing, yeah. thinking too much about everything. Um, so I'm sitting there like, okay, am I comfortable with this level of appropriation? Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah. um, I like randomly Steve Van Zandt in there was fun. Um, yeah. and like they have, they bring in four women who are clearly meant to be prostitutes and mm-hmm. they're there so that we can have some women of color backup singers. So let's make them prostitutes like, or sex workers, I should say. Uh, but just like, like just some little, some beats about that, that I was uh, uncomfortable with. Um, yeah. So the, the number itself was fine and, and it worked well. It was, you know, for what it was, it was good, but like, yeah. You know. And I and you, this goes back to Russell's performance that the notion of just like he's a little bored and that's why he's like, yeah. "Ooh, okay, let's just have, let's let's have some fun with these kids." <laughs> yeah. Let's have some fun with uh, Officer Jameson and, and Pavenda. Um I enjoyed uh that both of these randomly had significance uh, with Chicago. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh, it's a Chicago one. Even better. <laughs> and oh, Shot in Ontario, but absolutely. But hey, you know. Um, <laughs> so that was fun for me. And uh, 
this I think is the was a the Christmas Chronicles was a perfect example of this kind of Hallmark Hall of Fame thing where it's like good enough, especially if you're making yeah. Christmas cookies or yes. you know stamping your your Christmas cards or whatever, do something like that or decorating the tree. Um, not good enough that you would ever pay money for it, but you know, right? Yeah, but good background. And I think that's the key thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the key is like. Yeah, you wouldn't want to pay for this. Yeah. <laughs> but you'd watch the commercials with it, you know. Yeah. I, I was very happy when Goldie Hawn showed up at the end. I thought that was... was I was too. I was just like, oh, wait, who is this? Because we're, we're hiding her for a reason. And then it was Goldie Hawn. I just went, of course it is. I love that. Yeah, no, about like, about, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes in. Or, or no, actually, no, it was later in when they said, if you meet Mrs. Claus, don't don't tell her about this. I was like, oh, they better bring Goldie in by the end. <laughs> so I was glad they did. Uh, but I, you know, I had enough fun. I had enough fun with it. Yeah. And Lamorne Morris and Vela Lavelle and like these other people who popped up were a big part of that. So, um, yeah, I thought that was fine. Princess Switch. Oh, boy. Okay, so here's the thing with Princess Switch. It really highlighted two things. Yeah. Guys, we've all seen The Prince and the Pauper. Come on. Is yeah. the first thing. And second, the second thing is, is that, damn, Vanessa Hudgens is charismatic. Because she almost makes this work through sheer force of charm. Like, the through sheer yeah. force of will. She is so good that this terrible, terrible script and movie almost works. Yeah. It almost works, and but then you just notice a number of things about it that make it not work. Yeah. Like the aforementioned, why haven't they used a mixer three hours into a baking they competition? They made a giant <laughs> cake, and they didn't, like, that's, watch some Bake Off, come on. Right, I mean, that's the other thing, is just like, you clearly have access to Netflix. Yeah. Watch Bake Off. Yeah. Um, well, and it doesn't matter, the, it doesn't actually yeah. change anything. No. Yeah. Uh, how am I going to make these this these cranberries? And it's just like by hand. And it's just like yes, obviously. But what were you not doing with the mixer before? Well, and they were saying that it was supposedly sugar work, which means she wouldn't be using a mixer. Yeah, <laughs> that's not yeah. how sugar so work works. Like, and they looked no one like did any research on this. Yeah. Yeah. Or gum paste or something. Yeah. yeah it was very strange. Yeah. yeah. It was very very strange. So that alone was a problem. Mm-hmm. Um. Then there's just the fact that Kevin is a psychotic, Kate. He's a psychotic. Like, who goes to ask to borrow toothpaste without putting on a shirt, Kate? Who just strolls up to their best friend's room and goes, I need some toothpaste. Somebody who's not there for toothpaste. I know. Clearly. Come on. Yeah. It's weird. Well, I thought that, I mean, like, I was totally fine with that if you didn't have the, the, like, end of show pivot to oh well you look just like this person that clearly i've had had secret feelings for for a while and that's enough like that it was so creepy the way that they ended that yes based on how he was acting before if he they had like not had excuse to see kevin ripped uh and and topless then then it would i would have been more okay with it but like yeah that was awkward Yeah. Yeah. And then there's just the other things about, like, Edward's, like, perfectly fine. He's a perfectly nice person. He's a little boring, but he's perfectly fine. There's no tension in there, really. 
and which made the other problem of the fact that the antagonist for this movie is stranded in the baking show mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to being a jilted ex-suitor or something yeah um was really bizarre because the woman who's playing that um evil baker is actually really good at the few scenes she gets she's very arch and it's very good mm-hmm. um and then the other like large problem with this movie kate is that the two aides don't hook up at the end which is how this is supposed to work yeah but i was so <laughs> glad when that didn't happen because the other yeah. aide was so terrible and not interesting mm-hmm. enough um yeah it's like i need you to be more arch and evil yeah or i need you to be working for someone who's more arch and evil yeah. who then you right. like sabotage or something exactly but that doesn't happen yeah. because there's no villain in the royal plot yeah and it's just like this is weird yeah um so i think that it just doesn't hit a lot of the beats that it's supposed to hit being this type of movie yeah and it's a really poor execution of this type of movie mm-hmm. that vanessa hudgens almost single-handedly sort of saves but then you go but it's not good mm-hmm. well <laughs> there's too many bad things there, there must be a good version of this script somewhere because yeah, this movie's been made a lot <laughs> so yeah. well vanessa hudgens you have enough sway and you're good enough why aren't you insisting on a good script yeah so i mean maybe rose mciver's just like no romania is wonderful in july you should absolutely go do this <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it is, it's it's weird it's weird um okay any other thoughts i thought but the, the adorable children were not too annoying, which is good. I actively like no. Barbie Camp. I think the adorable child in this yeah. one is okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, the adorable child in Princess Switch is perfectly fine. And provides the justification for Kevin going, yeah, no. is like, people change, Dad. Mm-hmm. She's like, not, no, not that quickly. The fact that she's willing to tear up a schedule is not good enough of a reason. Yeah. You need a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. I, but I, I like that they have the the... the girl figure it out immediately based on the shake because she would yeah too or, yeah, or she would no, be very yeah. confused and worried that something bad had happened and she had yes. like a neural situation going on where where parts of her brain were not getting blood and oxygen so she couldn't remember <laughs> basic things like you know how to not burn toast yes so. yeah that should be a basic thing to understand and also why wouldn't you for good pr go to the charity and give them gifts yeah Oh, we have people who handle that. But no. No. This is 2018. Yeah. There are different ways to do this now, Bulgravia. I will say there are a few things that I did like in okay. that part. I liked that the prince is like, yeah, but like diplomacy, please, not not guns. Yeah. I liked yeah. that. I also really yeah. liked the, will you g- marry me in a year if you're in still happy? Year. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was really good, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the fact that he was just like, I always wanted a ray gun. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was, yeah. There was some, there was some nice and cute stuff in there, but I was just yeah. like, man, yeah. It, there's no reason it couldn't have been so much better. And it wouldn't have yeah, taken a much. lot for it to be much yeah. better, which is a yeah. shame. So, uh, I, you know, it was still perfectly charming. And while I'm shucking pistachios, f- fine. Um, but I do look forward to seeing Vanessa Hudgens in other things. I feel like, a, like, why is she not a rom-com superstar? Cause she is yeah. good enough for it. And she, she has the, the it fa- charisma factor that so few people can truly capture. Uh, but she, she needs better scripts. So. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, I haven't seen a project waste her talents this much since Powerless. Ooh, burn. Ooh, sick burn there. Okay. Yeah. On a show no one else watched. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like our takeaway from this uh, experiment was, Kate, you should watch the the Christmas uh what was it uh inheritance, inheritance. Is, I think I think Christmas inheritance is a much better version of this type of movie uh-huh. um Christmas Prince is just fun for the sheer weirdness of it all okay um and Rose McIver trying really hard <laughs> <laughs> okay noted well we'll see I don't I doubt I will have enough viewing time because we got a whole yeah. season of Maisel that dropped the other day so uh we'll see but it's I will not good. Put that in my uh, my queue. Um, now, if you show notes here at the end of the episode, you can watch. Uh, you can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org, where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us like Marcus did. Be like Marcus, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. Or you can find our M4A chapter feed and MP3 unchaptered feed up in iTunes, and we're over on Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews. It would be a lovely holiday gift to us. If you do rate or review us, let us know, especially especially if you're international because we won't we won't know <laughs> if you don't tell us um and then of course we're both on twitter i am at the televerse and noel you are at noel rk thank you so much kate thank you so much noel and thank you everyone for listening we'll be back next week with another episode of the televerse mm-hmm.